If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Yes, 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 conservative, not bitter indeed. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk, and I am your host, Todd Huff. Folks, you can always email me your thoughts, opinions. Sometimes I ask questions in the program. I got uh, some feedback yesterday on some things about the state of Georgia. It helps me, helps me do my job a little bit better. It helps me to uh, see things through the eyes of of those in the audience, give us uh, some additional perspective that I don't always have, but I appreciate getting it very, and I appreciate it uh, getting that information very much. Also, um, you can ask questions and all different sorts of things. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com is that email address. And you can always connect with us on Facebook as well. We're on Facebook right now, streaming the program live and on demand. As long as Facebook allows that to happen, that's at Facebook.com slash ToddHuffShow. You know, I'll ask too, while you're there, that you would like the page, that you would share anything you find worthy of, of sharing, commenting, questioning, that sort of thing helps Helps this uh, helps the message get out to more folks. So I appreciate your help in that regard very much, and it is in fact good to be here. So I want to talk here at the beginning of uh, I want to talk about Georgia again. I want to talk specifically about uh, President Trump last night talking about uh, Georgia's response to reopening to this uh, pandemic and just kind of share some, some some thoughts on where we are. Other states, I you know, you, you've seen by now, are beginning the process of, of reopening. Don't get too excited on that yet, um, as many states are simply, um, you know, starting with the bare bones. And I'm not criticizing that per se, although at some point I will be, we have to move forward responsibly and think this through and do our best to monitor the situation so as not to have a phase, uh, a second wave that's going to be worse than the first or even comparable with the first. But at the same time, as we've said on here, really from, from day one, this economic 
catastrophe situation has to be remedied as well. This is not a long-term solution. You cannot expect Americans to quote-unquote hunker down. Tell you what, if I have to say that phrase five more times in my life, my head may explode. But hunker down. Just hunker down. Cross your fingers, hunker down. Hunker down, hunker down. So, um, but folks are, we have to have the healthy pressure. That's, that is what I like about what Trump is doing because I think he's, he's applying a healthy pressure to reopen uh, the economy. And you can see the other pressure. The states, the states should want to obviously move in that direction as well. And most, most appear to be wanting that, although you have to find yourself wondering the way that some of these individuals only look at the world through political lens. If they think it's harmful to Trump, I, you have to wonder how much, how much, or does that affect impact their their perspectives? I think it's a fair question. We don't have to go around necessarily making the allegation unless there's good reason to do so, and there's been good reasons to do so. Um, in fact, listening to say Mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles, I saw some uh, of Hunter, uh, excuse me, of uh, Tucker Carlson last night talking about. Uh, playing some clips from Garcetti, and it's it's disturbing some of the things and the trends that we see coming from political leaders, people in either positions of you know being mayor, uh, governor, whatever the the role, different people in in Congress, and some of the responses that we've seen from people who hold power are things that are I think would be reprehensible to our founders. Sometimes doing it just because they can. Again, I, I cite the skate park, which we talked about quite a bit yesterday. Uh, the skate park in Venice Beach, uh, Los Angeles. They were proud of that. Garcetti's proud of that. That was something that had to be done, dumping sand in the skate park, as though there was no other alternative to maintain social distancing. I, it, it's, it's, it's at some point we see abuse of power, and that is a part of this puzzle we should all be very concerned about and keeping our eyes on. But I'm going to go to this. Uh, last night, President Trump at the press briefing updating uh, America through the media, actually through the bully pulpit, because he can't depend upon the media to really explain what it is that he's trying to do and what he's what he's saying. So he goes straight to the American people. One of the things I like about this, I know some of our listeners are perturbed at President Trump. They don't like the back and forth with the journalist. I, I, I feel like this is a necessary component of this, given who the media is. It's just, it is a necessary, it's just necessary. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, if you encounter someone on the street and they try to sucker punch you every day, at some point, every time you see them, there's going to be, there's going to be a little scuffle if that's their go-to form of greeting and that's effectively metaphorically what we're dealing with here so anyway but trump goes straight to the american people at these at these press conferences and so he's talking about georgia and what he says may be a little bit of surprise to people but on the other hand not necessarily so because of the i mean they've given clear steps um regarding how they want places to reopen they've given clear guidelines and the governor of Georgia is expediting a couple of these things or combining them. He's moving past phase one into different areas. And so Trump has some some caution about that. He says this last night 
last night at his uh, at his briefing. I told the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, that I disagree strongly with his decision to open certain facilities which are in violation of the phase one guidelines for the incredible people of Georgia. They're incredible people. I love those people. They are. They're great. They've been strong, resolute. But at the same time, he must do what he thinks is right. I want him to do what he thinks is right. Uh, But I disagree with him on what he's doing. But I want to let the governors do. Now, if I see something totally egregious, totally out of line, I'll do. But I think spas and beauty salons and tattoo parlors and barber shops in uh, phase one, we're going to have phase two very soon, is just too soon. I think it's too soon. And I love the people. I love I love those people that use all of those things, the spas and the beauty parlors and barber shops, tattoo parlors. I love them. But they can wait a little bit longer, just a little bit, not not much, because safety has to predominate. We have to have that. So uh, I told the governor very simply that I disagree with his decision, but he has to do what he thinks is right. There you go. So Trump urging some caution. This probably, um, I mean, if, if the media is forced to cover this and talk about this, it's it's got to be unbelievable in their minds that Trump would actually say any sort of thing that would hedge against just wide open free for all out there uh, in the wake of coronavirus, because that's how they've been portraying this. Trump is reckless. Trump is doesn't care about anything but the economy. Of course, we talked about this. I don't know what it was, you know, hour or two yesterday, maybe. But Trump um, has been erroneously um, (laughs) or you could say deceitfully described as only wanting the economy to function so as to win reelection in November, which is perplexing and puzzling to an average American because, you know, again, I understand politics. But at some point, at some point, the assumption is that people want a good economy. Maybe that's not the case for many people. They can only see Trump wanting a good economy so that he gets reelected, so that he gets reelected. I mean, it's, it's remarkable to think that that's the world, that's the lens through which they, they view the world. Trump only wants a good economy so as to get reelected, not because he just wants a good economy, they can't conceive of a of that in their mind. I think it's actually more telling, more telling of how they view the world and how they view things than what it says about Trump. But anyway, Trump's saying, "Look, Governor Kemp, um, it's your decision. It's your state." Again, for those who were upset and worked up about Trump talking about total authority, a couple of uh, well, you know, time time again. It wasn't that long ago, a, a week or two ago. When Trump said, um, I have total authority here, <laughs> which which should, should make our spidey senses go off, as I've said before. But we also have to put it in context as to what the speaker is trying to say. And you can see where we end up. Now we're at the point where the states have the freedom to do what they want unless, unless the federal government says, look, what you're doing is really reckless and it's putting other states other states in harm's way with another spike here 
of this virus. And so let's let's be cautious here. We're going to have to say you can't do that. So Trump's not going to take that step. But he says, I, I don't agree with it. I think it's a little early. This this phase is coming soon enough. This phase is coming soon enough. If only we're a little bit patient and ease into this. And so there's all sorts of pressures, right? There's some folks that want to, you know, tear the lid off of this, which I think all of us want that. But then there's others who, um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen comments. Other people are already placing bets that we're opening too early and believing that they are going to, uh, there's going to be a, a subsequent shutdown because we opened too early. That very well may be, may be what happens at least in places as we are responding to what we find uh, happens kind of in, in real time. So that's not necessarily, not necessarily a, we have to we have to we have to find a way out of this and so it's not necessarily a way to avoid that altogether there may be just by increased human interaction along the way an increase in cases in certain areas maybe um causing governments to have to back off of things and so forth but again as long as you monitor things as long as you keep an eye on things it is at least a responsible action because again hunkering down there we go again hunkering down uh, without any end date on the calendar indefinitely is devastating for business and yes i know congress is supposed to be the house is supposed to be voting on uh, legislation today they're calling this step 3.5 which is terrifying in its own sense we're up to uh, it's another half uh, half a trillion dollars, almost five hundred billion dollars in this package that's been passed by the Senate, and of course the president is ready to sign it. So there are things that are being done to remedy this, uh, but one of those things, of course, is the reopening of, of governments. Well, the reopening of, of states and economies. Trump saying he doesn't agree completely with with Kemp, but yet he believes in his freedom to make these decisions. That should make people feel good from a constitutional or uh, a liberty perspective for, the, for those who were concerned about an overreach by the federal government in this case. But it also is, is perhaps reasons of, of concern here, potentially, of doing this the wrong way. But look, overall, moving towards reopening the economy, getting back to some semblance of no, uh, normalcy is a good thing. So going to take a time out. When we get back, I want to talk, uh, play a soundbite from Fauci as well urging caution, but maybe not as strongly as you might originally expect. And I want to share some information that Oz sent me the other day about uh, what some researchers are finding, researchers from Israel are finding about um, how coronavirus is working itself through countries, what that pattern looks like, regardless of what uh, governments are doing, at least according to their findings. I, I think it's interesting and maybe uh, very important for us to take a look at here as we begin the process of of digging ourselves back in back out of uh, the coronavirus and all the all the effects that it's caused on economies and so forth so anyway quick time out we'll come back and talk about those things you're listening to conservative not better talk i am your host todd huff back in just a minute
Welcome back. I know we're all, and rightfully so, excited and looking forward to reopening the economy. And I'll tell you, one way you can do that, one way you can do that here is to check out the upcoming auctions that are being offered by my good friend, TJ Freegy, Freegy Auctions and Marketing, on May 2nd, which sounds like a long, sorry, Oz is being ridiculous behind the, over here. But on May 2nd, which sounds like eons away, I saw I saw a post or a shirt the other day that said, 2020 was an interesting leap year. There were 29 days in February, 300 days in March, and five years in April. <laughs> and so I think all of us can relate to that uh, in a certain way. But this uh, May 2nd is not that far away. That's only, that's what, next uh, next Saturday. So May 2nd, uh, Freegy and Freegy Auctions and Marketing at 1 p.m. are having an auction that will be hosted at their facility 1 p.m just a little bit west of indianapolis in clayton but listen the best part is the best part is if you're still not completely ready to head out to something like an auction you can bid online you can bid online as well so they're going to have cars trucks suvs sports cars 50 plus lawnmowers utility vehicles things like polaris john deere kubota and some compact tractors. You can preview and test drive these pieces of equipment, vehicles, by appointment. So that's really why I want to let you know that now, so that you can you can do that by appointment. Go check out what is is available for more information. Go to their website, freegeauctioneers.com, F-R-E-I-J-E, auctioneers, plural, Dot com And you can find out more information. Also, you can check out information on their upcoming firearms auction, which is May 9th, the next week. Anyway, so I wanted to give you an update on that. That's one way that you can help restart the economy, have some fun in the process, and never a dull moment uh, at the Freegee Auction House for sure. So anyhow, let's get back here to uh, really where we stand with with Georgia, with States in general beginning the process of, of reopening. We've seen Texas move. We've seen, I think Oklahoma's taken some steps, even even some small steps taken in places like Pennsylvania. You've seen places, say Jacksonville City Beach in Florida, that have reopened uh, their beach. And so we're moving cautiously, but yet, um, you know, beginning to get back into the swing of things slowly but surely all positive good encouraging signs again have to be uh, mitigated with with caution and and you know uh, keeping an eye on what's what's happening but fauci's fauci has uh, some words as well and i think you know i i think maybe some people would have expected fauci to come out maybe more strongly he's he's urging caution He's urging caution, um, but he's still not against the, this notion, which I think to some people may be news. Some people believe that this is all Trump pushing towards reopening, and I think there should be no mistake made about it. Trump is the the catalyst for this. Thank goodness we have Trump pushing for that. Um, but but 
you know the the scientists, even Fauci here, have have some some words or some uh, you know certainly words of caution, but also not words that say you know we can't reopen. It's more about being smart, being wise, being careful. Here's what Fauci has to say about reopening. So the one thing that I know, the urge we all have to get out there and get it over with, let's get back to normal, for a lot of good reasons, because there's a lot of suffering economic and otherwise in this country because of that. But again, as I pleaded early on weeks ago, I plead with the American public, with the governors, with the mayors, for the people with responsibility. Although I know one has the need to leapfrog over things, don't do that. Do it in a measured way. This is a successful formula. The problem is if we don't do that, there is a likelihood that we'll have a rebound. And the one way not to reopen the economy is to have a rebound that we can't take care of. So please, again, let me just close by pleading with the American public in general and those who are responsible leaders to carefully consider how we get back to normal. Thank you. So just be cautious. We've given guidelines. We've given direction. Don't leapfrog here. I know Fauci says I know that there's a pressure to do that and just jump in and get back to normal. We don't want to. We don't want to, you know, make it worse. Make it worse by um, doing things too early. So. I mean, look, obviously, as we've said from the beginning, there are two sides to this coin, the health side, the economic side. One side, I must say, has been largely ignored outside of Trump, and that is the economic side. The side that almost seems to suggest that all you have to do is sit at home. It doesn't matter what your circumstance, the government's there to take care of it. You have nothing to worry about. The government's going to send us checks or deposits through the mail or Whatever, anything that they think that we need, it's taken care of. Boom, problem solved. Nothing nothing for you to worry about. But this, folks, is not the way that it works. This is not the way that wealth is created. And I, I pause to even say wealth because some people, when they hear that, they think, oh, you're just worried about the, the rich getting richer. You're worried about people you know, um, who, who already have enough. Um, you're worried about their 401ks as though people don't depend upon these during their retirement years. People have made you know, life-altering decisions based upon uh, what they thought they had in the market. And, of course, they have to be responsible. Uh, but nonetheless, we've seen major hits across the board, at least in the short term, in the market. So it's not just that people want to have this super – you know, ritzy lifestyle. It's survival for some people. And what's wrong anyway with wanting to get back to our standard standard of living? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think that maybe maybe this situation has opened our eyes. Maybe it's caused us to reprioritize some things. Hopefully it's drawn families closer together, spouses closer together. It has the op- the opportunities there for that to happen, folks. And I think a lot of people would say that. Some people would say, and I think to a certain degree, everyone would feel this way on any given day, certain days, uh, that it's it's we gotta you know get out of the house and just uh, get away from each other for a bit before because we've uh, you know <laughs> there, at some point there may be too much, right? I mean, with, with kids and 
with spouses. We just need our our space. But I think by and large, there's a lot of opportunity here for people to to benefit. Again, not to say that the crisis was was good to, to force this situation, but there can be good that comes from any any circumstance, and that's I think one of the things that that come here. But it's not about just building wealth. That's not the only reason people want to open the economy. It's because that's where you know all these things that are funded by the government ultimately ultimately come from the activities and the commerce engaged uh, that that people engage in that they've largely not been allowed to do. And so we have this mythical sort of magic button, Staples easy button. Won't even bill Staples for saying that. But you got this belief that you hit the button in Washington, D.C. That was easy. And suddenly, poof, money in people's accounts. What creates money in people's accounts, what what creates uh, you know money that pays for mortgages and groceries, and medical bills and tuition and all this stuff comes from comes from economic activity, comes from productive work. And to a large extent, this has not been allowed to happen. So moving towards that is good. Moving towards that responsibly is better, is necessary. And so I want to begin to see more states talking about this. I'm hoping, hoping I'll hear more of this from our governor here in Indiana as well, not just you know, the numbers and the concerns about health. We get that. I understand that. That's important. That's paramount. Um, we just, uh, well, th- this this disease has impacted all of us, I think, even in very personal ways. We either know of people, some people maybe even well, know people well that have had this disease. Heck, you listening to my voice may have had this. And so it is, It's it's impacted all of us in some way sometimes dramatically so. And so, yes, we want to be responsible, but at the same time, we got to move towards reopening. So the more news like this that comes out, even if it's baby steps at first, it's for the better. It's for the better. And of course, we we have to caution about, you know, too quickly and too aggressively because there's a risk there. But there's also a risk by doing things too slowly by being too precautious people that criticize this oftentimes um, you know maybe getting paid the same no difference for them they just get to stay at home it's a prolonged vacation that is not the situation for a lot of americans their livelihood depends upon their ability to work and i'll say this ultimately for all of us if there's no work for a prolonged period of time there will be no wages no matter what mythical button the the government thinks it can hit and solve the problem in an instant so anyway gotta take a break gonna shift gears when we get back actually want to talk a little bit about this uh, report from israel talking about the numbers and the patterns that these researchers have found in different nations regardless regardless of the nation regardless of the tactics or the uh, strategy employed to uh to mitigate coronavirus in their particular nations. I want to talk about that when we get back, but I've got to take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, I mentioned before the break, I mentioned earlier as well, 
Oz forwarded me this opinion piece. It's dated back last week, April 15th. Town Hall opinion piece. Israeli professor shows virus follows fixed pattern. Professor Yitzhak Ben Israel of Tel Aviv University, who also serves on the Research and Development Advisory Board for Teva Pharmaceutical Industries, plotted the rates of new coronavirus infections of the U.S., U.K., Sweden, Italy, Israel, Switzerland, France, Germany, and Spain. The numbers told a shocking story. Irrespective of whether the country quarantined like Israel or went about business as usual, like Sweden, coronavirus peaked and subsided in the same exact way. In the exact same way. Again, reading from this article, his graphs show that all countries experienced seemingly identical coronavirus infection patterns with the number of infected peaking in the sixth week and rapidly subsiding by the eighth week. The Wuhan virus, as the author says, follows its own pattern. He told Mako, an Israeli news agency, it is a fixed pattern that is not dependent on freedom or quarantine. There is a decline in the numbers of infections, even in countries without closures. And it is similar to the countries with closures, he wrote in his paper. Is the coronavirus expansion exponential? The answer by the numbers is simple. No. Expansion begins exponentially, but fades quickly after about eight weeks. Professor Yitzhak Ben Israel concluded, The reason why coronavirus follows a fixed pattern is yet unknown. I have no explanation, he told Mako. There are, uh, there are kinds of speculations. Maybe it's climate-related. Maybe the virus has its own life cycle. But what about Italy and their staggering 12% mortality rate? The health system, he says, in Italy has its own problems. It has nothing to do with coronavirus in 2017. It also collapsed because of the flu. Professor Yitzhak Ben Israel told the news agency. Indeed, Italy's ex- uh, exceptionally high coronavirus mortality rate is eerily reminiscent of their unusually high flu mortality rates. Supportive of this theory, Germany has low flu infection and mortality rates and similarly low coronavirus rates. So he concludes here in his analysis summary, his analysis summary paper, that the data from the past 50 days indicates that the closure uh, policies of the quarantine countries can be replaced by more moderate social distancing policies. The numbers simply do not support quarantine or economic closure. And so that's where we are here. That's where we are. And this is this is interesting. You know, to me, you have people, they'll say, you know, we have to listen to the scientists. We have to, you know, we can't argue with science. And, and I want to say a couple things about that. There, there's, there's different... Uh, there are different phases of science, right? I mean, there's firmly established science. There are things called laws in science, right? They are the way that our universe or nature behaves, period. It doesn't matter what we think about it. It doesn't matter 
what we prefer it to be. It doesn't, they don't care. Nature doesn't care. That's the way that, that God set it up to work. That's it. That's how it works. Each and every time it can be, it can be replicated, you know, no matter, no matter what. It can, it, it, it's the case no matter, no matter what, uh, you know, where it happens or what have you. It, 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 we know it. We can predict it. We under, we don't always maybe understand why, but that's what happens. That is the way the universe works. Then there's other, there's early phases of science where scientists are grabbing data and extrapolating things from it, trying to figure out what it is, what it is that is actually happening. And so you have disagreement amongst scientists. And the thing is, the left wants to say all the science points to, you know, strict quarantining of people, you know, basically saying it's okay to dump sand in a skate park or to, I don't know, to arrest someone or give them a ticket for taking a Sunday drive, right? But this group of scientists are saying, look, when you look at the way that countries have responded to this, we really see the same pattern regardless of their actions. And that is an eight-week, you know, whatever it is, a six- or eight-week peak, and then it starts to to fade off. And it appears that that's what we are dealing with, too. It doesn't mean, again, that we have all the information. This is a very fluid process. But I get a little bit, <laughs> I get a little bit tired of some of those on the left preaching about some science that's still that's still being disputed, that's being argued back and forth amongst some very intelligent scientists telling us that that's not exactly what the data uh, has, has shown us or that they have a different interpretation of what that data means. We're in the early stages of this. There's not some handbook that says coronavirus uh, 2020. This is, this is what the science is on that. It is a process of learning of piecing it together of identifying what this virus is how it you know what it does to actually attack individuals how it's spread i mean you've heard all sorts of things you've heard it's you can only catch this if you have 10 or 15 minutes of confined uh, you're confined with an individual for that long you've heard people basically say you can get it through the mail you can get it jogging behind someone uh, if they sneeze and all these different things, it, it travels through the air. You've heard that as well. Anyway, I'm long in this segment, but I just want to point out that just because someone wants to loosen the quarantine doesn't mean that they have a disrespect for science at all. In fact, they may actually be when all the dust settles on this, the ones who are, who are right saying the effects of the of strict quarantining really didn't do anything different than actual social distancing or other mitigating factors that didn't completely shut down societies and economies. So we'll continue this when we get back. Taking a quick break here. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So what if, what if these researchers are correct? What if more moderate social distancing policies could have produced, or what if they do produce the same or similar results as 
the more aggressive stay-at-home orders and the, of course, consequential economic shutdown that, that comes from that. Did we unnecessarily harm or even sacrifice our economy by by over overreacting? I know some folks will get infuriated by simple the simple raising of that question, but it matters, especially if there's a, a flare up, if there's a hot spot, another outbreak that comes. What do we really do when we see that? Do we take the reaction that says everybody go back into their proverbial holes, or do we say do we say, you know, reinforce some of these social distancing policies, maybe in a, a localized hotspot, maybe there is more aggressive action. I'm not suggesting that it's never necessary. I'm just simply pointing out that there are costs associated with these decisions, and I think they've been largely ignored in the media, and I think a lot of people uh, there's a certain amount of people who are immune to this. They don't feel it personally because you know they're they're still getting paid the same, and they just basically are working from home. Or uh, I mean, teachers haven't had uh, you know, cuts to pay or anything like that. And I'm not suggesting they should. I'm just saying that there's your your perspective changes based upon how this impacts you personally, and so. But I want to get past the perspectives and try to have an objective perspective and say if the results are the same, whether or not we have uh, social distancing policies that are moderate and things don't shut down unless there's a very, very specific reason, a localized outbreak, and then maybe that has to take place. But if the outcomes are the same, regardless of whether we keep things open and maintain social distancing and other components of those policies and we avoid the more aggressive stay-at-home orders why would we do why would we do the the, the stay-at-home orders i know some people don't want to consider that because then that would suggest that they were you know that that governments were wrong and they don't want to have to deal with that because you know they can't make any mistakes they want to talk about how many people they saved and all this and i understand but let's just find out what the right solution was i'm not even mad at governors for taking these steps. I'm mad at them for some of the abuses that they've put on their people. I think that that's out of control. Some of this tyrannical nonsense, they do it because they can. They do it because people don't abide by their edicts. I don't like that. But as far as, I don't fault them if if it turns out that this wasn't the best course of action. Let's just fix it. Let's fix it. Let's not dig our heels in. Let's not justify our behavior. Let's just say now we have more information and this is what we know and let's change the way that we behave moving forward. I'm not saying that this is even right. I'm just saying let's not completely shut it out because it doesn't coincide with what we believe is the best course of action. Quick timeout. Come back and wrap up hour number one. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. Waning moments of our minutes here, the, the final moments of, of hour number one. You can continue to listen to the program hour number two, which we will resume here a couple minutes after the top of the hour. Uh, but I saw something here during the break that caught my eye that, you know, it, it's just the journey 
the journey is fun and the reach of, of doing a program like this is an incredible. Um, and we have listeners around the world, but I got a Facebook message from someone listening in Cambodia. I have to say that that's a, a first. I've not heard Cambodia, so that's good to uh, – thanks for listening in Cambodia. I know we've had New Zealand, Australia, different places around the world, but Cambodia is a first. So anyway, appreciate you listening no matter where you are. Guys, uh, we'll be starting hour two in just a minute. Sit tight, SDG. Be back in a minute.